Hey, everybody. Welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas. Thanks for tuning in today. Before we get started, I want to give a trigger warning. First, we're going to be discussing a little bit about uh, violence against women. Nothing graphic or gruesome, but hopefully provocative. The second trigger warning I want to give is that some of you will feel your wall go up once I get started as a defense mechanism. It's perfectly normal. You might feel attacked, angry, criticized, but I'm asking you and urging you to try and keep listening anyway with an open mind and heart. None of this material, none of this is intended to be accusatory or judgy or critical. It is intended to be thought-provoking and enlightening and perhaps cause you to think about something in a new way. And I know that can be scary and uncomfortable. I talked all about it in episode 11 from Stonewall to See Through. So if you haven't listened to that, that's a great one to listen to to help figure out how to hear about difficult things. And I'm asking you to try and not erect a wall today. Not yet. And I also want to say that I'm right there with you. This topic is a challenging one for me as well. It's one that I'm still processing and figuring out, but one that has had me really fired up for years. And I just want to talk about it and start to unpack it and try to, I don't know, challenge the way we think about things. Okay, so now that all of those disclaimers are out of the way, what I want to talk about today is called It's Almost Time to Lock Her Up and Other Careless Things We Say About Girls and Women. Now, I have a couple of girls in my family that are young, barely approaching puberty, right? But they're they're growing. And of course, they are amazing, smart, cool, beautiful. And I love being able to witness them mature and develop. And recently, I've overheard some comments that trouble me. And they are comments I've heard my whole life. They're not new. Did you ever drive down the road and you drive by something like every day for 25 years and suddenly one day you see a shed that's painted purple with an orange flower on the side and you are just flabbergasted that you never saw that before? You know, sometimes we miss things and they just become part of the landscape. And then suddenly, for whatever reason, our eyes open up and we see something that was there all along. And it's that's kind of how it is with these comments. I've heard them my whole life, but for some reason now I'm hearing them in a new way and it's causing me to, to pause and say, wait a minute, I don't think we should say that. So anyway, to continue my story, I've heard some men in our circle say, wow, look how big they're getting. We'll have to lock them up soon. And I've heard different variations on several occasions, but all with a similar message, right? When a girl is approaching puberty and developing, we have this really bad habit of saying, we're going to have to lock her up. Now, I'm sure the men around me aren't the only ones who've said it. Like I said, who knows? I might have said it before. I could have. I probably have. You know, I'm sure women say it too. But just sit with that expression for a minute. We're going to have to lock her up. You've heard it, right? You might have even said it along with me or laughed at it. But let's put all that to the side for a minute. Forget about ourselves and just think about that sentence and that statement and what it means, like what we're really saying. A girl that is growing into a woman becomes someone that we want or need to lock up. Why? Now, I know it's said without ill intent, right? It's said because we want to protect her. I would imagine, right? We say it because we want to protect her or because we value her or we want to preserve her innocence. 
But let's dive even deeper below the surface than that. What are we protecting her from? Why is growing into a woman dangerous, so dangerous that we want to lock them up? Why do young girls need so much protecting that we joke about locking them up? Now, I know it's just a joke too, right? But what kind of message does this send to our girls? What must they think when they hear this? And not just our girls, but our boys. Do we have such little faith in the boys that we're raising and the men in our lives that our answer to keep girls safe is to lock them up? Now, let me just pause here and state the obvious. I do wholeheartedly do not believe that the people who say these things have ill intent or that they are said with malice. I've heard some of the best men I know say these things. And I know that what they really mean is that they care and love this girl so much that they want to keep her safe always. And it is a beautiful sentiment, 100%. And they don't want anyone to mistreat her or devalue her or abuse her. And while I believe all of that 100%, I would also propose that expressions like this and the way that we are expressing that love and concern and devotion is really not helpful anymore. Like I said, I don't believe that this is said with malice or has even been that well thought out. I'm sure the people that are saying it aren't even thinking about it. It's just, it's habit. It's a common cliche. It's a euphemism that we say to young girls to acknowledge that we care and want to protect, right? It's just careless. And it's habitual. And it's cultural. And we're careless with our words. It's just like, you know, recently I was at the playground with two of my nieces. And they are like eight and nine and a half. And they were at a playground. And they make friends wherever they go. So, you know, it didn't take long. And they had a whole circle of kids around them. And we were getting ready to leave. And they were washing their hands or washing their feet off. I can't remember what it was. And there was one of their friends, a little girl who was probably about five. And they were all very excitedly telling me this story about this little boy on the playground who was saying the F word and he was swearing and he was being mean and doing all these things. And the little five-year-old girl, she was just a tiny little thing. I don't, I think she came up to my knees and I'm not a tall person. She was just a tiny little thing. But she said, well, my mommy told me if boys are mean to you, that means they like you. And I was horrified. And I didn't say anything because I didn't know this little girl and I didn't know her mother. And so, you know, I grabbed my two nieces and we walked away. And of course, I lectured them and said, now, I, did you hear what she just said back there? That's bull. Don't ever listen to that. If a boy is mean to you, it's unacceptable. You do not take that. If boys like you, they are not mean to you. So forget you heard that, you know, and they're just looking at me with big eyes like, why is Aunt Kelly mad at us right now? But I think that's another good example of we say things like that habitually and carelessly, and it's really damaging. I mean, do you want little girls to grow up really anymore? I mean, people said it to me when I was little, right? There were boys that were mean. There's a boy, I still remember his name. I won't say it out loud. I'm actually Facebook friends with him. And every time I see him on Facebook, I think, in kindergarten, you kicked me in the crotch so hard, I bled. And, you know, somebody told me at that time that, oh, he probably likes you. So we grow up with that. And with all of the statistics and the crisis that we have in our country around domestic abuse and violence against women, we should not be teaching our girls or our boys that sentiment, right? And so this is the same type of thing. It's, it's just a saying, but the origin of the saying comes from a dark place with a misogynistic patriarchal root that has allowed violence and abuse against women to continue to thrive in our culture and our world. Because buried deep within these simple sentences is also the message 
if a boy hits you or is mean to you, he must like you. So when I become a woman and now my husband is beating me or hitting me, it doesn't mean he doesn't love me. He loves me and therefore this is acceptable behavior. Buried deep within those simple sentences is a message of when you become a woman, we need to lock you up. We don't want grown, beautiful, sexy, vivacious women walking the streets because why? Because men can't control themselves. Because we know they become prey and we can't protect them. Because we know other men and boys will have malice and ill intent towards them. So rather than hold our boys and men accountable to treating you with decency and respect, we'll just lock you up. You are so fragile you need protecting. And it's also, we have this need to keep our women pure and undefiled. Like, we can't handle grown-ass women who are sexual and emotional and powerful in their own right. So we have to lock them up. It all just screams of the chastity belt and the muzzle. We want to lock up our virgins. I saw a chastity belt one time in an antique store here in my home city of Syracuse. And... They really existed. It's not just folklore. This thing was a big, giant iron belt with a lock and key. So this is the root of this saying. Another cultural habit that has really been driving me crazy lately, and my husband can attest to this because I think I drive him crazy, we can be in the living room innocently watching a television show, you know, a sitcom or Chicago Fire, and I will be set off by a storyline, and he didn't see it coming. And the storyline typically goes like this, happens in almost every movie, TV show you watch. Here's how it plays out. Joe and Sam work together with Lily, Joe's childhood friend and neighbor. She's like a little sister to him. Sam wants to date Lily, but Joe will not have it. Now, Sam seems like a nice guy, he's not an asshole, but Joe has taken on the job of keeping all potential boyfriends away from Lily to protect her, because she's like a sister, because Joe loves her. Well, what the F, man? Why does a grown-ass woman like Lily need Joe to dig a moat around her and keep men away? And Lily, by the way, is clueless about the conversations that are going on behind her back about her. Decisions are being made about who she can and cannot date and who's allowed to ask her out, and she's not even part of the conversation. And we see the storyline again and again and again, where men negotiate and pass laws about what a woman can and cannot do without her in the conversation. Come on! Now, you may be thinking that I am way off from where I started right? That I'm off on a rabbit trail. I was talking about a harmless saying that, we, that we've said in our culture for years, and, and we say it because we love people. But now this is what it's rooted in. This is what it's rooted in. And these storylines in these TV shows and in these movies, they are not harmless. And as women, we play along with it. Why do we do that? It's, it drives me crazy. Now, I'm a feminist. If, if you haven't figured that out already, I am a feminist, always have been. I don't know why. I grew up in the 70s and was fascinated with the women's movement. Gloria Steinem, Mary Tyler Moore. And people I know and love think that this label is radical and angry and men-hating, and they don't want to be associated with that label of feminist. I disagree. I'm a proud feminist. There are radical outliers in any group. And you know what? They shouldn't define that particular group. Now, I would wager a bet that most people listening to this podcast right now are, in fact, feminist. 
because a feminist is simply someone who believes that men and women should be treated equally and fairly when it comes to the workplace, the home, economics, civil rights, the law. And if I asked you if you believed that, you would say yes, most of you. So you are a feminist. Now, it doesn't mean you have to burn your bra and hate men and become a hateful, you know, like the ones you've seen on the news screaming into the camera. But I bet you're a feminist for whatever that's worth. Now, that really was a little side trail, rabbit trail. What is the point of talking about all of this today? I just want you to think about it. I want you to think about your words. Words are powerful. You know, I grew up in a household and in a family where we were taught that words hold power, that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and that words convey power. Words hold power in our lives. Uh, words can bring things into existence. Words matter. And, and I believe that. And I, I think most of you do too. Well, what if instead of carelessly repeating sayings like this and speaking them over the lives of our girls and boys, we spend our time teaching them how to approach adulthood with mutual respect and zero tolerance for any kind of abusive, disrespectful, violent behavior towards each other? I think it's time. I think that these sayings don't just hurt our little girls or our women. They hurt our boys and men. Let's not speak those words to our boys. It's not fair to them. It's not holding them accountable. It's not showing them respect. It's demeaning and diminishing to the boys and men in our lives. They're capable of so much better. So when we say sayings like this, I know that there's no malice or ill intent. It's just sometimes we are careless with our words. We don't mean anything by it. It's not an indication of our character or how we treat people. But we're just careless and we're not intentional with how we speak. And there's been a lot of talk about this or more talk than usual about microaggressions in our culture today, right? And we're really, some of us, are really just beginning to understand microaggressions around race, for example. And I suppose they exist around anything, uh, race, gender, and they're passive aggressive comments and jabs at people that we make all day long and we think they're harmless. And I can't speak to a lot of these. I'm not a person of color, obviously. But I remember a man that I used to work with and he was an executive. He was 10 or 15 years older than me. I was pretty junior in my career and I was really ambitious and, and really wanted to grow and advance and excel. And I was, I was pretty successful. And he and I were friends, and we got along really well, and we worked together really well. But he used to say something to me. I never knew what to say back. He would say, we'd go into a meeting, there'd be other people around, and he'd say, you're more than just a pretty face. You know that, KB? You're more than just a pretty face. I would just kind of look at him with a look on my face, I'm sure. I, I never knew how to respond to that. Am I supposed to say thank you? It was like, I think that's a microaggression, right? I think what he meant is like, I'm, you're really smart and I'm impressed by your brain power. And holy cow, you're a woman. Who knew that could coexist? And so it's one of those kind of backhanded compliments, right? And, you know, we say things like this, these microaggressions to people of color, like you're very well spoken or you're very articulate. And when we call that a microaggression, I've heard some people say, well, how is that an insult? I'm, I'm giving you a compliment. But see, the thing is, that very phrase to a person of color is rooted in this historical belief that we're surprised in this country when a person of color is well-educated and well-spoken. 
Now, whether or not we really meant that in the moment doesn't really matter. That's the history of a comment like that. That's the backstory. That's the core belief behind the words. So that is very similar to what I'm talking about when we say things, it's almost time to lock her up. And so what is the point of all of this that I'm talking about today in this podcast episode? Like, why am I bringing up these things and causing causing problems? You know, why can't I just let it be? Why can't I just let people keep saying these harmless sayings when they mean well and it just means they love the girls around them? Why can't I just let it go? And I think it's important. Again, I think words are important. I think the way that we talk about people, I've heard Brene Brown talk about this when it comes to marginalizing large groups of people. It starts with how we talk about them, right? Because our words have power and we devalue whole groups of people by how we talk about them, you know? And so our words are powerful. And it's important. It's important if we're going to grow and evolve and progress as a culture as a nation, as a people, as women, as men, as girls, as boys, we need to attack some of these habitual, quote unquote, harmless sayings that we've all inherited from generations before us. And so I just wanted someone else out there to have this rolling around in their brain besides me. And maybe we can make a difference. Maybe we can start a new saying. Maybe we can make a new trend. Maybe we can get past this patriarchal, misogynistic dynamic in our lives for our girls and our boys and really pave the way for a better future, for a better way for them to live and be with each other when we're not around anymore. So that's it. I hope this was helpful. I hope this got you thinking. I hope this has you listening for those careless sayings and words that we say. Now, at the beginning, I said that this topic was even challenging for me. And one of another reason that it's really challenging for me is, in addition to all the things I've already said and already told you, there is a part of me, too, where I want the men around me to be protective. If someone is mistreating one of the girls or women in our family, I want the men to go Yellowstone on them and load up the truck and take them to the train station. I want the men in our family to be able to go out with a baseball bat and take care of it, you know, and that's not really fair. That's not really fair to the men in my family, you know, that because a a man in our life is, is mistreating one of us, I want them to get a baseball bat and go commit this aggressive, violent act against another human being. Like, that's not fair to hold them in that expectation, you know, and I do, and I'm, and I'm challenging myself on it, and I'm struggling to overcome that. I think there's better expectations that we can have of each other and a better dynamic that we can cultivate and grow together. And so that is the whole point of me putting this out there. So I hope it was helpful. I hope it caused you to think and listen more carefully to what you say and to what others around you say. And I hope it moves us forward in a new way, period. That's it. The end. You can go to kellybargabas.com, check out past episodes, get in touch with me. You can subscribe, share, and review this podcast. I would appreciate that. It's really hard to get things moving with all the algorithms that are out there in social media. So anything you can do to help give this podcast life, I appreciate it. Until we meet again, take care. <laughs>